Alrighty, so tell me about the fight. How'd it go? Oh man, it um so there's been a build up for weeks and weeks and weeks and now like just a massive, massive event and it was over in thirty seconds. Really? <laughs> yeah. McGregor just like jumps in there and was all over him and knocks him out in thirty seconds. Far out. <laughs> I was because what was what was Cerrone's record? He's like got the most wins, most like finishes. He's basically just fought a bunch, and he's really, really good. Yeah. Um, and he just, yeah, he just knocked him out of thirty seconds. <laughs> like after all that build up. Yeah. It was just over. That's crazy. Yeah. And what was it? Threw a punch or a kick or elbow? So he, so he got in and he threw. Like Connor's got a massive left hand. Mm-hmm. So he threw a left hand and Cerrone managed to like duck under it and clinched him like around the waist. Yeah. And then he stood up and Connor just basically started jumping and smashing his shoulder into Cerrone's like face and nose. Oh God. And so he got like a good four or five hits in on his face and nose, which I think kind of like you're you're not going to be completely stable after that no exactly and then he got a sort of big kicking on his neck yep like like they sort of separated he got a kick in on his neck and then after that was it was basically done that's like he brutal. just rained punches into him far out yeah yeah so i mean after all that build up <laughs> and it just so what time were they I meant mean, to come out well it um runs on like a card so okay the card started at at two o'clock and then there were i think five fights before before them and it just sort of depends on how long those fights go for and whatnot yeah okay um and so yeah i mean it's like a whole it's a massive event when they hold these fights mm-hmm. um like the um they run all day and yeah. then there's sort of the main the main card starts sort of Towards towards yeah. the end of the day, yeah. and then they have the main fight right at the end. Whereabouts was it held? Las Vegas. Yeah, standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they had like massive celebrities there, uh, like also like Tom Brady was there, Matthew McConaughey was there, and they just it's just it's so much money. Yeah, well, some of those ticket prices, ticket sales in the actual venue are absolutely insane. It's like yeah, you know, I'm gonna look up how much it costs. I swear I saw something like there were some seats for like tens of thousands of dollars i'm yeah. assuming they're the ones like right next to the actual octagon. yeah like the ringside seats would be yeah like crazy crazy amounts and um yeah i mean it's just it's just so much money gets made out of these fights and it's because connor's so uh, popular yeah and so it's the best it's kind of the best outcome for the ufc for him just to come out in a dominant fashion because they'll no doubt have locked up his next fight within the next week or two. Yeah. And then be able to start promoting his next fight. Exactly. And the more he's built up, the better it is for them. Yeah. yeah. Like, it would have been bad for them if he'd come out and sort of lost or it gone to points and it's not so sure if he's going to fight again. Or Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy how much money is in fighting, even boxing. Yeah, at that top level. Is there, is there much, though, below that? No. Because I feel like there'd be a fairly big jump from just your... Like, the level below up to where they are now. Yeah. it's There's, like, a... I don't know. It's, like, a whole... Um, it's a bit of a weird sport in that there's no real league that you sort of qualify for. Like, eventually, you just sort of 
get a fight with one of the the pros and then you'll start building a record and then they they schedule fights on kind of an ad hoc basis like in all combat sports it's a bit weird i don't know it's always struck me as a bit odd but that's just the way it's done and so yeah once you get what before you get to the big like sort of top level you're not going to be making all that much money like you'll make enough to live on basically um and then yeah once you if you manage to get to that top top level you just make so much money i mean conor mcgregor when he fought uh floyd mayweather oh that was back that was didn't they take like a couple hundred million oh it was crazy the winner um floyd mayweather made 275 million dollars yeah that's it i thought it was up there somewhere it was just crazy and i mean connor would have made um they say he made around a hundred million dollars. Yeah, some of the picks that Floyd Mayweather puts up, um, like on his Instagram and stuff, man, that guy has some cash. Yeah, yeah. He but then, but then Floyd as well. Man. Like, there's obviously people who have more cash than him, but he gold chains and just you know stacks on stacks everywhere. And yeah, yeah. And I think the thing with it is that they they make so much money so quickly, um, and then they can they can enjoy the money because they have a fight camp to prepare for a fight. Like they can't be in peak physical condition all the time. Exactly. And so someone like Mayweather, I don't know if he fights all that much anymore, but like even say Connor, he won't fight now for three months or so. How long does the camp go for that they need to like prep for? I think like standard would probably be eight weeks, like six or eight weeks. Yeah. Um, they, there's countless examples of them sort of doing shorter, but yeah, I'd say probably because what they do is they sort of, they start training, getting physically fit again. And then they also prepare for the person they're going to fight, um, like whatever that person's good at or whatever. And so, yeah, I think about eight weeks, they, they're sort of training. So he'll have time now to (laughs) go and spend his money. (laughs) I don't know how much he made off of, um, off of this fight uh but what what was interesting is he you know he's got the um his whiskey brand proper 12 it's been going pretty well hasn't it yeah well, i think it goes well because it's it's linked to him it's not particularly good whiskey but um they were uh, they were sponsoring the, this event and so, like, around the ring, like, on the, the post of the ring, you've got his his sponsorship on there. So he's making money off of that. And then uh looks like he made $3 million off the off the win. For this one here? Yeah. Yeah, I see that it's... I've got here Conor McGregor will receive $3 million in, at a minimum, oh, for, at a minimum. Just, for, for, for just participating in the fight. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, his $3 million with no win bonus. I don't know what um, the win bonus was, but... Yeah, so it'll be the win bonus, and then there's the pay-per-view as well. So however, however much money they make on that, they'll start to add on as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, because that that's part of the game, and that's part of what makes combat sports interesting, I think, is that they are, it, it's a big money-making operation, effectively. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about it, it's not that much different to, like, the gladiators fighting in Rome. Um, we're just sort of a bit more like they're athletic now not slaves and it's, um, and it's not to the death <laughs> yeah uh 
but yeah, it's not all that different. And so it's a whole media circus leading up to it. And that's, that's why Connor was so like rose so high is because he's just good to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Like in his, uh, in the media and all that stuff. So it'll, it'll be interesting to watch now and see if he's able to keep his head cool. Cause he kind of, he kind of lost it a bit last time. Like he got too big and he's recently said he was just sort of, he was too cocky once he got there and just had all this money and didn't really prepare properly for his last fight. And he seems a lot more sort of humble now. Yeah. It's but hard though. Be, I can imagine it'd be hard. Like when anyone rises hard. that quickly, yeah, they sort of have to sort of stumble a little bit at the top before they get back some of that earlier fire that they had before that. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he can keep his head cool now and just keep fighting. Mm. Um, Because he is just, he's really good. (laughs) Well, 30 seconds, like, my God. Yeah. And, like, kind of no one's expecting it to to end that way. But, you know, that's just, I guess, how the game goes. Um, So, did you have anything you wanted to lead off with uh, this week? Maybe Um, start with the steak drama? Yeah, sure. We'll start with steak drama. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't actually even notice this until you sort of brought it up to me. And I was like, did they even tell me? Because I hadn't received a notification or anything. But I did. I had something in my emails yeah. um, from them. But yeah, they've brought in this fee, a monthly fee for yeah. basically the same features that they had before that. And they've kind of tiered it. So yeah. for, they've got three tiers. One tier is the starter pack, which is, you know, $0 per month. Uh, but it's only two free trades. And then there's $5 per trade. So there's a $5 commission on every trade after that. Which, I mean, that's I think that's pretty significant when most of the people on the platform probably have small accounts. Yeah. Um, and, and I th- think it's important to note that they do also have their FX fee on yes. the trade. Yes, they've still got that. I think before, like prior to these brokerage packs coming out, they were... if kind of comparable to most other brokers mm-hmm. uh, when you took into account the FX fees. Um, was yeah, It was just the FX fee, wasn't it, before? Yeah, that was it. But it, it's very steep. Um, and so they were... That was they like, were I'm not making better. enough money off this. Yeah. They were better than other brokers, but kind of only slightly, even though they were zero commission. Um, so yeah, go on with the other tiers. Yeah, so the big thing with the starter pack is... Um, the thing I don't like about it is that there's no there's no fractional shares. So a starter pack, you would think, you know, very small account. They're not doing any trades. They're doing two trades per month. You think it would give them fractional shares, but they don't have that. Yeah. So that's the other big thing that they sort of cut out is the fractional yeah. shares. Yeah. And it's very, very uh, basic. So it's just market orders only, no limit orders or anything like that. And then yep. the second one is $9 a month. And that's called mm-hmm. the unlimited pack. And that's unlimited free trades, uh, advanced orders, fractional shares. Um, and this is priority access to new listings. And then finally, the top pack is the black pack. And that's basically if you have an account size over 30K. And it's pretty much the same thing as the unlimited pack, but you can day trade on any any funds that haven't settled yet. Yeah. Um, and I think that 30K minimum has to do with laws in the US. Yeah, right. I didn't um, know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's 
is effectively some sort of regulation that that's supposed to protect retail investors. So I think if you're under 25K, your account size is under 25K, you basically can't day trade in the US. And so that's what that account minimum will have to do with. They're obviously putting in a buffer for them so that they don't have to sort of build as stringent controls into that day trading. Like if you take a loss and then they open themselves up legally. Um, so that's why that's there. But Yeah, I don't know. It feels, it feels pretty steep for... Because, I mean, the target... I, I don't know how many, how much people have in their accounts, but um, if you're spending, what is it, 100 and something dollars on the middle pack, the unlimited pack per year, US, so let's just say 150 Australian, like that's a serious chunk out of your um, your profit for that year. If, you're, yeah. if your account size is small, like if it's a $1,000 account, say, then, you know, that's 15% of before you've even made a link. Um, yeah yeah so i think that beyond the the pricing and we like you can debate the pricing whether it's worth it or whether you should go with another broker or anything like mm -hmm. that but the thing that sort of doesn't sit that well with me is that they were marketing themselves as zero commission brokerage and it's not insignificant it's not an insignificant thing to change brokerages like it's quite a hassle to do it and especially when they put fees on transferring your holdings to another broker um it just feels it feels odd to me that they would take away free trading unless you sort of buy one of these brokerage packs like that just doesn't it doesn't doesn't feel right um i think they should Beyond like the fractional shares, I'm like partial on. I get that that's a big selling point these days. I personally don't wouldn't wouldn't buy into fractional shares. I wouldn't. I haven't looked into how the custody works there, but I wouldn't be completely comfortable with trusting like a startup company with fractional shares like that. So it's kind of not a question for me there, but I know it is a popular thing these days. Um, but yeah, they said that they were commission-free if people have committed funds to them and now can't get out of that um, without paying. That just seems that just seems odd. I don't don't like that. So I think that a better approach to this would have been still 100% free trading, but. Maybe if you limit like order types, if you limit, still not great, but if you limit order types, if you limit fractional shares, you limit maybe market data. There's a lot of brokerages that do delayed data unless you're paying a bit more. Um, like sort of you limit those sorts of things, but your original sell to get people to commit funds to you was free brokerage. I think you should stand by that. No, I have to agree with um, that. Like I think it's similar to remember I, I was telling you a while ago, I mean, slightly different situation, but there's a podcast app that I use that said that there was a one-off fee Like you buy the app and like you have access to it for life. And then they change that to a monthly That's subscription. That's what they could have done actually as well. Like in that same situation with that, 
you could have just said anyone that's already with us by July 20, which I mean, they're going to get, I would say, an influx of people trying to beat the fees. Then, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to pay the monthly fee. Like you got in before the, before the date. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or even I think like, look, I, I get that they are trying to do something and probably that probably the fee structure they had which we we have to like sort of note here that they did have a fee structure it just wasn't a commission um the fee structure they had wasn't paying the bills and it wasn't allowing them to stay alive and so like fair enough oh, they I'd do much rather need to do that and stay alive yeah but even if they just said okay if you'd want to get out of your current holdings that's free like that's better than what they've True, done they're now. Not make money like they're on trapping <laughs> on the yeah, forex. They're trapping you in, and that that's what feels like a basin switch. It's like you can't you can't make a decision now. Well, I mean, you still can. They like give them credit for that. It's they've giving six months lead time. Um, so you still can get out of your trades um, before then. But it. I think they should have they should have at least just said, well, you can get out of your trades for free anytime, but any anything new maybe comes out of these new rules. Still not ideal. I think they should still stand by completely commission free and then like work work off of that. I I'll be interested to see what they do with the FX fee now because it is high and so we'll have to they they have said that they're going to reduce it, but they haven't said by how much, and so that will we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, where that goes. The other thing um, as well is it's I guess they're like quite new, so maybe this is something that I don't know lasts for how many years, and then it changes back when they become more sustainable. Um, like maybe yeah, like maybe once they get to a certain size and have a certain amount of customers, maybe they can reduce. Uh, fees again yeah but yeah yeah i think that's that's something that's certainly possible and that's something that like you can see with um the big brokerages over in the u.s where they are reducing their fees or commissions to yeah, zero that's what i had in mind um but there's some interesting stuff coming out of that even where schwab is r- reducing the amount of products that they're uh, providing on their platform to kind of make up for it because they were Schwab has their own funds and at least to my understanding they were offering other other funds and ETFs for free uh, on their platform so they weren't adding any sort of surcharge onto that um, which is like a good thing for them to do for their customers because it's allowing the customer to choose uh, between two different products that are trying to achieve the same thing so if you're say getting an S&P 500 tracking fund you can choose the Vanguard one or you can choose a Schwab one or you can choose the uh, BlackRock one and they weren't going to charge you anymore for doing that but Schwab have now walked that back and they're saying well and they did say that that's a direct result of everything going brokerage free now they do need to make some money somewhere and so I think you can still get access to those funds through Schwab's platform, but you're going to have to pay a bit more. Um, so it's an interesting time. Um, of course, if you're sort of trading long term, uh, like just buying and holding long term, it's not going to make like really any difference. 
Um, and I guess if you're day trading, like you wouldn't be looking at a platform like Stake anyway. See, that that was the thing like I had intended on just using Stake for something that I could hold for longer because there were no custody fees or anything like that. Um, so essentially, they could just sit there and not, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be costing me any money. Um, but I mean, it is, it is different. It is still like, I, I compare it to say FP markets where their platform fees, I mean, there are, they have a lot more options in terms of order types and everything and executions a lot faster and et cetera. But their fees, I think, are, I think I spend $70 a month, I think to use that service. It's, I think 20 or $50 drops off if you have, if you've been inactive that month, so it only costs you 20 bucks. But um, if you're active on it, then it will cost you, I think, 70 bucks a month. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the fees itself don't seem too bad. But again, like FP Markets is generally targeting people with much larger accounts and um, not really your your entrance to the into the market. Yeah. I'm just looking at Comsec. It looks like they have a custody fee for inactive accounts. Um, and so that's basically, it's effectively the same or a little bit more than their um, brokerage on one trade. Um, and that's charged if you don't make any trades in a calendar yeah, year. Yeah, it's a whole year. So, I mean, generally yeah. people are going to do at least one trade. Yeah, and if you don't, you're basically getting charged for one yeah, trade. Which is not bad anyway. Like, it's not that bad. I mean, it would be better if there's no no fees, but look, these, these are businesses. They do need exactly, to run. Exactly. So there, yeah, there, there is that. Um, and I mean, there's, I think overall, if you're trading sort of long, long term, it's not going to make that much difference to you where like the sort of, this is 2% cheaper than that brokerage or whatever. Um, and then if you're day trading, generally these these brokerages aren't going to be for you anyway. Um, and the, the fee structure is going to look totally different. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the thoughts on that. I think it's, there's still time. So, yeah, if you do have shares in there, just think about what you're going to do with those before, I think it's like the 1st of July or something that it, it changes over. And so just be aware that things are going to change at stake after that. Um, did you um, see any of the Royal stuff? I don't know if you follow any of it, but... Yeah, I've been seeing it. Um, Piers, Piers I was thinking Morgan's of applying for Harry's job, <laughs> but yeah. um, apparently he's still going to be a prince, so yes. I can't get that job. I thought I thought it would be a pretty pretty good, uh, pretty <laughs> yeah, good gig you good get. Gig. Like, I think their, their income is like $3 million a year yeah. or something for doing nothing. <laughs> so, I mean... I'd be pretty okay with that. Um, what did you think about the whole whole drama? I, I liked the end result of basically the queen coming out and saying, "Like, look, you can't you can't be half in, half out. Um, you can't reap the benefits of being a royal and not do any work, like, and being able to pick and choose what events you go to, and you know that sort of stuff." So. I'm glad. So they're not going to go to any events at all? No, nothing. Nothing. It's oh, wow. a, it was previously. The the thing that they were proposing was basically, yeah, this was that. they We can come to some events, 
but we don't want to come to all events, but we still want to, you know, have the benefits of, of being a Royal, you know, the security of the house, yeah. everything like that. Um, yeah. But anyway, so they've, yeah, she's given them the flick and it's, it's going to be reviewed again in a year's time. So they oh. do, they will get a second chance if they, you know, don't like their current situation. And if they're not back. able to find a job. Well, I mean, I'm sure they're going <laughs> to, I'm sure they're going to be fine. They're, yeah. I'm sure they'll be quite They're okay. very popular people. Yes. Um, and no doubt they're going to be using their, their previous royal status to sort of oh, yeah. propel them into something. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Harry's still a prince. Um, so he's, yeah. he's all good on that front. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I thought it, it was quite entertaining watching the media, media workness. So did you watch like the, the clips of the late night uh, comedians or, or doing no, their take on no. it? It's quite good. It's, it's worth going to watch. Um, yeah. Trevor Noah's is particularly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'll let I'll let you go watch it, but he basically says that uh, this has all happened because Megan, who's a black woman, came <laughs> in and was like, "Boy, uh, you, you can't be living in your mama's house. You've got to get a job." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, he does. He does it very, very well. Um, it's quite funny. Um, and then yeah. there was a I don't know which paper it was in the UK. But Flight Center managed to get an ad on the page that they were running commentary on the story. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they said, grandkids move to, move to Canada, like book a flight <laughs> with us. <laughs> that was That's quite classic. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, people have been having a, a field day with it. Yeah. I was just watching Piers Morgan sort of um, going off on Twitter this morning. So what was he saying? Uh, he was sort of saying the same thing, like, hang on, I'll get him up quickly. Yeah, so he's basically same sort of thing, like, you know, Megan sort of ditched everything and taken Harry with her. And um, she's, Harry's been basically given the royal family the flick, like his family, his country, and also the military as well. That was the big one. Yeah. Because he was very into the military, like his status. So, he, so what has he given up with the military? So he, he passed, he was passed the position of, um, captain general of the Royal Marines by his grandfather, Prince Philip. Yeah. And he had it from 1953 to 2017. And basically he's relinquished that title. He no longer has that title anymore and he can't sort of, he, he can't, I don't think he can participate in the military side of things anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's a ceremonial title. Like I'm sure so he'd be that, able to. Like he'd still that. be a British citizen, so he'd still be able to go and fight if he wanted to. Yeah, but I think the the military service, it's um I have to pick it up again, but yeah, basically it's it's he's kind of like thrown it away. Yeah. With stepping down. I'm not sure how it works quite, but Yeah. Um, I'm I'm uh, not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um I just I'm just on Piers Morgan's Twitter now and he's saying that Connor won eight hundred eighty million dollars. Sorry, eighty. Yeah. Wow. Eighty million dollars in forty seconds. That's two million dollars a second. Man, imagine that. <laughs> that's just that's insane. Two million dollars a second. <laughs> no, like that, that. Yeah, that was just crazy. Um, 
Have, did you see the uh, the Satan Satanist Society, um, the, uh, the Temple of Satan in Noosa, um, submitted uh, like sort of feedback for this religious discrimination bill? Um, okay, <laughs> it's quite good. I'll read it out here. So it's dated eighteenth of January, twenty twenty. Um, Satanism has a message so powerful that we do not need laws to protect it. Simply put, Noosa Satanists feel the proposed religious discrimination bill is completely unnecessary and a waste of this federal government's time. Having said that, should this parliament vote to enact this legislation, then Satanists across Australia will aggressively use this law to ensure that we can access all the privileges it guarantees. From access to street evangelism, school breakfast programs, school chaplaincy programs, school personal development programs, school touring bands, school weekend uh, camp programs, federal, what? state, and local grant programs, access to public facilities, etc. The list is endless. We shall use our local federal member, commissioners, and courts to defend our newfound rights under this proposed legislation. Satan has great plans for the future of Noosa and Australia, and we intend to use every avenue available to us to reach our goals. Hail Satan. Oh, God. <laughs> and so this is like popped off on Twitter this morning. <laughs> It's just, it's just quite funny that, like, they're obviously... Like, I don't even know if the um, Temple of Satan is a real thing. Some people but, definitely do it as a joke. Oh, yeah, this is I a joke. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is... To- like, they're obviously taking taking the piss out of the, uh, yeah. the bill, but I don't know if the thing is if it's a real thing, but it's like, quite, someone that it's I know, funny. Someone yeah. that I know, they, they actually went ahead. They had a, uh, a knee surgery because they yeah. had to get a knee replacement. And they asked if the surgeon could cut the incision like it was the the crucifix, but upside down. Yeah. So it's like... Into the, their knee. Yes. So it's like <laughs> a scar that's like, yeah, for that Satan stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people take funny. it further than others, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, only surprise it took us so long to get Harry to ditch his family. <laughs> that's... Yeah, I, I think that the whole royal drama has just sort of brought to the brought to the fore how kind of useless the royal family is. Um, and I know this is going to ruffle some feathers, so uh, we'll, we'll be careful here. But like I was saying just before today, that everyone gets really mad at someone like Bill Gates for being crazy, crazy rich, but he's built like a massive company and done that company has started effectively the personal computer revolution in conjunction with a couple of other companies as well, obviously. Uh, and that has improved the lives of many, many, many people. And you, you kind of can't argue at, you can't argue that. No. Um, but the people, people, hate the fact that he is so rich um and then you look at the royal family and people those same people will defend the royal family and saying that they bring in so much money to the uk and do all this good for the uk and whatnot so does but, bill though yeah so does he and i think he he probably increases the gdp of the uk even more than they do mm-hmm. um like if you look at yeah, I I can see like, your comparison because they both do a lot of charity work as well. Well, he does a lot of charity work, like, but if he, you Bill Gates if you has his own foundation, all, yeah, and he piles money into that. 
Yeah. And um, the Royals do as well. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think that I was, I was saying this before. Like, if you remove the royal family, I'm not, like, sort of saying we should get rid of the royal family. That's not something that's ever going to happen. No. But if you remove the royal family and were able to offer tours of all of their residences because they no longer live there, you could charge like a hundred bucks a pop to go into all those, all those palaces and castles and whatnot. People definitely I think would you would now. earn more money. But I think over time, people would forget about it though. Yeah, but you go to the Palace of Versailles in France and there's been no monarch living there for 200 years and that's still packed every day. Right, okay. Like, like if you go to there, you can't, there's no space to walk in there. It's mm-hmm. so, so packed. Like you literally, you walk through and you've got someone like right up in front of you and someone right up behind you and you sort of just move through with the crowd. Like it, it's full every day. I wonder how much it brings in. I'm sure that, that stat's out there somewhere. Yeah, because um, it'd be interesting to compare the two. Yeah. To sort of see how much each brings in. When he does... If not, maybe you can apply for the job there if it comes in lower. Maybe they need a prince. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Maybe it's on the Wikipedia. It's possibly. I don't know. This is a long Wikipedia article. But, yeah, I mean, th- these palaces, I- I'm sure they would bring in more money. Like, because people, people travel to the UK. Like, th- the argument is that it brings tourism into the UK, right? Mm-hmm. Like, people travel to the UK just to go stand outside Buckingham Palace and well, take a know, photo outside. Did you know they already had an uptick in tourism in Canada? Oh, really? Yeah, and they, they put it down to uh, Meghan and Harry being there. Is this, is this sort of like now just this year? Yeah, yeah, just this year. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I didn't know they had that much of an effect, but... Like, I just, I wonder if it would... Because these places are famous places. Um, and so people would still go and want to see them and take photos. Mm-hmm. And if you go inside, like, I don't I, I just don't... Obviously, we're not going to remove the royal family. It would cause more division. And at, at the end of the day, it would be worse for the UK than just keeping them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I mean, the amount of money that would have to be poured into a campaign and... Saw how long Brexit took. Um, <laughs> that uh, we're like it's just not worth trying to um, like remove them. But yeah, it's anyway. It's yeah. I think it's just brought to the fore how kind of useless they are in in some senses. <laughs> There's um, going to be a lot of people that are going to hate you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but did you see that in? In the UK now, like there's been a Megxit, Megxit debacle, and then have you seen the bunger bob for big? Yeah, that's what it's been called in the. Oh my in the press. god, that's hilarious! Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I know, because <laughs> like Brexit's over, so yeah, yeah. They, need, they need something else to rise about. Um, but now there's also the um, bunger bob for big bangs. Big Ben's Bong campaign. (laughs) Have you seen this? No. (laughs) So, um, basically, Big Big Ben, like the the Bell Tower. Yeah. Um, And there's, it's kind of a tradition when big 
things happen in the UK, like big political events or like stuff like that, they um, bong Big Ben. Yeah. And so there's calls for obviously Brexit's going to happen at 11 p.m. on the 31st of January. And there's calls for Big Ben to bong at that time uh, and like do like 11 things, uh, which like there's a fair amount of, uh, there's a fair argument for that. Like it is a big political event, like despite the fact that it's it's so divisive. But the problem is it's been renovated at the moment and they can't do it unless they have, they have to put in a temporary floor inside the bell tower, um, which would cost half a million pounds. Well, they've got a GoFundMe page up. Did you know about yeah, that? Yeah, they've got a GoFundMe page that's got, like, last I saw, <laughs> was like 250,000 pounds. Yeah, it's 260 <laughs> for, now. Yeah, bang above for Big Ben's bong. <laughs> <laughs> but basically that, that phrase came from uh, Boris Johnson did a, a uh, interview with BBC Breakfast on mm-hmm. Tuesday, I think. And they asked him about it, and he was, and he kind of came up with that. And apparently, it's kind of common, common uh, phrase. Bunga Bob means kind of get regular people just to donate. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's all these like arguments now going around. Should they, like, should should they actually do it if people sort of get the money? Should they go and do it, or is there? Uh, well, I mean, if they get the money, I think they should. You know, why not? Yeah, I think I'd take that same position. They, there was some, I was watching a video this morning, there's some interesting kind of precedent, precedent issues with it and how the government spends money. and Because uh, that, that money would effectively go to the government and they would have to spend the money. And I don't know, there was a whole legal argument that basically it's no different than them spending taxes on it. And so they do have to be careful with how they spend money, even if it's just been sort of raised for a certain purpose. Yeah, right. Um, even though it's going into the same account, essentially. Like, it's going into the same coffers. Yeah. But, okay. Like, I don't, I don't fully agree, but, like, I can see the argument at least. Um, and so it'll be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, see what happens. Um, I just thought the phrase was funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's um, hard to it's hard to do. It's like say it three yeah, times. Yeah, say quickly. that ten times faster. It's not <laughs> happening. Um, but yeah, it, that was quite funny. Um, and in that same interview, uh, Johnson was talking about the Iran conflict. He got asked about it. Oh, okay. Um, which was uh, interesting to see see there the response by the UK and they were quite interestingly but Johnson was on holiday when the initial attack happened and they were kind of questioning whether he should have come back from his holiday quicker than he did um we've seen a drama like that play out here <laughs> um but effectively I liked what Johnson was saying that he he wants everything to be dialed down tensions to be dialed down like everybody just like chill. We don't need to go to war over this. Mm. Um, and he um, he says that look, this is getting born out of the fact that there are all these sanctions on Iran 
they can't build a proper economy there because of those sanctions. Yeah. And those sanctions are on Iran because the US has pulled out of the nuclear deal. And the point of the nuclear deal was to lift sanctions if Iran didn't, like, follow the deal. Yeah. Right? And so the deal was not, not what the current administration wants for a couple of reasons. Um, one of those, one of the big reasons is that it was negotiated by Obama. Um, but it also said, like, look, it's, it's a limited scope deal. It expires in, I think, 10 or 15 years. Um, and so it's not, not what they want in a nuclear deal. So they pulled out of it. And so the Iranians have gone back to enriching uranium because they kind of, there's no, there's no reason for them not to because the US pulled out of it and put sanctions on them. And like they were not going to do it because the sanctions were going to get lifted. Um, and so that's kind of weird. Um, mm. And so what Johnson was saying is that, look, that's fine. He wasn't offering his opinion on what a deal should look like, uh, although I get the feeling he probably agrees with Trump to some extent. But he said, like, look, if we're going to pull out of the, the deal that was already on the table, let's get a new one. Because what we don't want here is we don't want Iran to get a nuclear weapon. Mm. And we also want them to be able to kind of, like, build their economy and we don't want to cripple their economy. Um, but it seems that, like I think from what I've seen, is that the Trump administration strategy here is to topple the Iranian government, um, which seems to, seems to be happening, actually. Like there, yeah. are, there are protests going on in Iran all the time. Why are they looking at doing that? So, look, it's a corrupt government, like, mm-hmm. no doubt. Uh, it's, there's no transparency, really, as to what's going on behind the government. The economy is just a shambles over there. Oh, it's terrible at the moment. They've absolutely been crippled. Yeah, but the government is going out and kind of building a strong military and advancing a military around and all this stuff that, like, why why are they doing that? Why don't they focus the money inward and try to rebuild this economy? They've got quite a... They've got quite a lot of potential. They've got I a... I feel like... They probably feel like they've lost hold of it a bit. So, they're just... It just feels like they'd be bracing for maybe the public to come after them or something, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. But, um, like, now, sort of, in the in the wake of the American attack on Soleimani, there was a rally against the Americans, but it seems now that it's it's turning, especially after they shot down that Ukrainian airliner. Mm. It's yeah. now turning against the Iranian government. Um, there's a lot of public unrest. There's a lot of demonstrations going down. Um, several members of parliament have just resigned. Yep. They, don't want, they don't want to take part in the government. Um, and there are calls for the president to do the same. Um, one of the Iranian athlete, uh, Olympic athletes that won, I think she won at least a medal. I don't know what uh, medal it was at the last Olympics, has like pulled her affiliation with Iran. So she's not gonna, she no longer wants to be affiliated with Iran. Um, and so it certainly seems like the pressure is mounting on the government 
but like at the end of the day, it's the military that that decides, as with any revolution that would go down, it's the military that decides who's going to take power. And as we saw in Egypt, the military taking power isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, they went from one type of dictator to another type of dictator. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be... I mean, there are there have been positives, though, like Fiji. In, in Fiji, yeah. Yeah, in 2006 or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, that ended up well, so... Yeah, so there certainly have been positive uh, revolutions. And you could you could kind of, like, some of the Eastern... European countries, when they rebelled against the Soviet Union, like that's worked out pretty well for some of them. Um, not so well in Russia itself, and they've just basically replaced one police state with another. Um, and I don't want to go into too much detail on it now just because I haven't researched it, but I was seeing some uh, articles floating around that Putin is starting to restructure that government um, because his term, his constitutional term is going to run out, I think, in 2024. Um, and like, kind of no one's kidding themselves. He's still, he's going to change it so that he can stay in power longer. Um, and that's, that is already starting. But I don't want to sort of talk about details because I don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Iranian thing seems to have cooled down now. Um, I don't think it's a good thing if the the government topples and there's a power vacuum there that I think is inviting trouble. But we'll have to wait and see, uh, I guess, what happens. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, if the military, if the military do, if the military do take power, then there's not going to be that vacuum, is there? Well, like if they take power until they the next pe- like the next person fills the position. Wouldn't that sort of stem? Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways it could go down. Um, yeah. The military take power and there's no one, there's no obvious person. I mean, the obvious person if the military were to take power would be Soleimani. Um, and he's <laughs> he, he's uh, not in a position to take that job at the moment. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know sort of the details of who who the players would be. But I'm sure the US has someone in mind that they would want. Probably, yeah. To like, take power. Yeah, and I guess, like, how would they be able to drive that? Would they be able to to say that, well, we want you to, this person in, in control and then we'll lift sanctions or... Like, yeah, I don't know how they would do it. Because um, Johnson was saying that, look, we want an end to the conflict, but we don't want to get involved in another country's government. Yeah. Um, which I think is prob- probably a good principle. Yeah. yeah, Vietnam was a bit of a bit of a shocker. Yeah, um, and so I don't. Yeah, I don't know quite how that would work. And if they do have someone in mind, like they they very well might. Yeah. But it will be, it'll be one to watch. I th- I think that we're in for the long haul though. Yeah. Like we've it's... kind of crossed over that boundary now of. It's dropped out of the news cycle. Um, nothing really has happened in the last week and a half. So it does seem like it's cooled down in terms of the US and Iran facing off. Although there were rocket attacks earlier this week. Um, so we'll have to wait and see there. But I think that, yeah, it's in for a long haul now. And if the 
government's going to topple then. That's going to take months, I reckon. Yeah, for I mean, the, it for could. For something like that to happen, like, you need enough public support and that sort of takes time to build. Yeah, well, I think that it could it could take months unless unless there's some precipitating event. Like, if they were to shoot down another airliner, I think that could yeah, really push would've... people out into yeah. the streets. And... Yeah, if they were to start killing people on the streets or something like that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd do it as well. Yeah, it could definitely uh, sort of push push things over. Um, I, I definitely don't know enough about the Middle East region. Um, like I have read a few a few things. There was a book on my on my like sort of to be read list about the relations between the U.S. and Iran, and I kind of wish I'd read it before this all <laughs> all kicks off because I would have had yeah. a bit more of a um, bit more of a knowledgeable uh, opinion on it. But mm. um, I think that there's definitely, I mean. All, most of these countries were created, and we don't realize they were only created 100 years ago, and they, they were created by the West. And so they're kind of these fake countries. Yeah, um, being kind of forced in. Yeah, I mean, Winston Churchill was the architect of a lot of them. Um, and so, yeah, you've got this this weird system there where the, the countries that exist there now probably won't exist in 100 years. And they're going to start to redraw borders and stuff. Um, and it was all sort of drawn up after the First World War to stabilize the region, or so people thought, but um, it, that hasn't sort of happened. Um, so what's been happening with Tesla before we get on to the impeachment? Because I'm sure we'll go for a while on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it started to sort of roll over a little bit here. Um, they did announce that earnings will be out Jan 29th. The stock price, yeah, it's down at five ten. The low was it up at about five fifty at one point? Yeah, the high was up around there. Uh, but I mean, it it was <laughs> it was quite extended at that stage. Yeah, um, and there was no way it was going to hold on to that. I'm surprised it's held above five hundred for for so long. I did dip down there, but yeah, I'm I surprised. Come, I thought it would come back down to test the breakout point at around that four hundred mark. Yeah, I I would have expected it to come down to four hundred, but I mean um, even so, like that's that's still a twenty percent correction. That's still um, not not bad. Yeah, if if that would have happened. So you said the earnings are out on the twenty ninth. Yes. Okay. Yes, I believe that's when they're out the twenty ninth. Okay, that makes sense. Wednesday, yep. and then we'll talk about that weekend. Um, yep. What do you think is gonna what? What do you think the earnings are going to look like? Well, I don't know how much of a surprise is going to be given that they've already released sort of numbers out for deliveries for the Q4. Yeah. So it's really it's really sort of how how they've gone with I guess their solar and their their energy business because there hasn't been too much focus on that. It's really all all, all been on you know how many vehicles they're pushing out. So do you I think, think that, that um, do you think that possibly the rollout like sort of the completion of the Gigafactory in China, well, that is basically complete now, isn't it? It is complete, well, yeah. Yeah, and like sort of, the, have they broken ground in Germany? No, not yet, no. Do you think it's there, possible that the completion there could pull a, a loss in the earnings? In this the completion quarter? in Germany? or the no, completion, the completion in, in China. 
because they would right. incur a fair amount of costs there. Um, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I, I don't mean well, like finished. in cases of like, look, like not not in a sense that Tesla would be in trouble that it's pulling a loss, but just an accounting loss might be have to be recognised, and that could sort of scare some people. Yeah, well, I don't know how many, how much is going to be pushed into that quarter mm-hmm. versus the previous quarters. Um, they've obviously, you know, got all the staffing costs and stuff of ramping up, um, and it could definitely have an impact on on profits for this quarter. But from what I've been reading, most people expect something similar to what we had in the prior quarter, where we yeah. had, I think it was a hundred and forty three million dollar profit, so just a small profit. Yeah, and people are sort of saying they're expecting that to continue for the next two quarters. Um, yeah, to sort of get those small profits, and I, I'm assuming it's guess I guess it's because of the uh, the ramping of that gigafactory. Yeah, what do you think? How many cars are they delivering? I have, don't know what the number is. Do you it's know in how the many thousands? In the thousands, it's not. It's nothing substantial. I don't think. No, I don't mean at in China. Just like overall, how overall, many they've delivered? Yeah. Overall, I will in uh, Q four. It was one hundred twelve thousand. One hundred twelve thousand. Okay. So, so annualized, that's a four hundred forty. Do you know how much that is compared to total car sales? Total car sales are about ninety. I think it's ninety million. Okay, so it's still a it's a drop, a drop in, in the, the bucket water. at the moment. Yeah. Um, cause I, I guess the, the other thing here is that with the sudden run up and positive turn here, people have started saying that, well, this is, this is where Tesla go and they're going to take over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, but with like that, they're delivering a hundred thousand versus. No, that's by no means taking over. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. I think they've, yeah. they've got a ways to go still before they, before they take over. Definitely, and I think yeah. that. What's what will be interesting to sort of watch now is that people clearly want Teslas. They clearly want the Model 3s um, and they're willing to pay for them. But are are they willing to wait for them? Yeah, that's true. They did extend their time on them. And I'm assuming that's because, again, the Gigafactory 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that people are willing to sort of stretch themselves financially in order to sort of get that new car. Well, Whereas hasn't that previously always they been wouldn't true? have done that. Well, I can't I haven't seen it as much with other vehicles. Not this crazy anyway. I I I, I wonder. Yes, you get people that want to, you know, get the flash car and stuff, but I think that there's I think a, it's more widespread. I think that there's a different there's a different market that wants a Tesla for different reasons now. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that people have always sort of stretched to buy a fancy car. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's out of the ordinary. People have always always borrowed to buy cars. They haven't definitely kind of wanted to go. There's been the people who go and buy secondhand cars, but they, there's a strong portion of of the population that go and go and buy a new car that's just a little bit beyond their means. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wonder if the I wonder if um, the I'd have to strength. back this up with numbers. Yeah. Like, that's the real test is if it could, if, if the numbers actually showed that, because I'm, that's just my 
you know. Yeah. No, guessing. I do think that there are pe- there are definitely people who out there who are spending a bit more so that they can get a Tesla than they were than they were planning to. But yeah, the numbers would that would be interesting to see would be if people are say going going in and saying I want to buy a twenty thousand dollar car, and mm-hmm. then most times they are going to spend more than that to buy their car. Mm-hmm. Like if they walk into a dealership, they're going to get upsold probably a majority of the time. Otherwise, there would be no salespeople. Um, and it would be interesting to see the number based on based on that. I like say if it's a $20,000 car that they're planning to buy and then they spend X amount above that on another regular car, let's say, and then how much more would they be willing to spend on a Tesla? Yeah. Um, and I think that you're probably right that people are extending themselves a little bit more to buy a Tesla in terms of probably percentage terms because you get into a brand that is recognizable. Whereas, say, if you're going to buy a Mercedes, there's kind of a car at every level for for you to buy in a Mercedes. Um, And you're still going to have the Mercedes brand. And so I think that brand effects probably has has some power there what were you just gonna say um i lost it but i was there was some comments out by the the uh volkswagen ceo which was interesting this week as well Mm -hmm. so he basically acknowledged the fact that and it's been it's it's been acknowledged before but just not to the same extent but basically like if you don't if the autos sort of don't sort of start pushing into electric vehicles now then they're going to be very much left behind. Like, be prepared to sort of lose your market share. And I thought yeah. that was interesting coming out from the CEO of Volkswagen. I mean, it's probably obvious seeing as they're making one of the biggest stands on electric vehicles other than, you know, likes of Tesla. But um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely a significant thing coming out of him. Yeah, I think that we're definitely seeing that swing now start to happen. And so it will be... It will be a competition now between the brands of electric cars rather than a competition between electric and uh, like internal combustion engine cars. Um, assuming that these other car manufacturers can sort of ramp and get these get these cars out onto lots quickly, because that's the, that's their advantage is their sales network, which Tesla doesn't have. And I think that there's some there's a big thing to be said for a sales network where that's where you upsell right like you you make some of the cheap cars and you put them there and people can go and buy them if they want but you employ or you don't even employ uh salesmen and the salesmen employed by the dealerships and they go and the difference is with tesla i mean they essentially have like thousands of salesmen but they don't actually employ them directly. Like you look at people, like in terms of like people who make videos or people make commentary on Tesla and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you see, like I've noticed it on my channel, you have um, thousands of people that would be willing to watch content on Tesla. Um, Now, obviously that content's getting pushed to people who already maybe have Teslas or like Tesla. Yeah. But sometimes the content gets pushed to people who don't know much about it. And I think that doesn't happen for 
the other autos. Not not to the same no, extent. No, it doesn't anyway. happen at all. No, like you don't have you don't have dedicated. Well, you would have de- some dedicated channels, but you don't have anywhere near as many dedicated channels to say like BMW or um, Mercedes or stuff like that. Sort of. Yeah. You know, announcing every single update and and keeping everyone in the loop on 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 their vehicles. And I think that's a that's a major major thing in sort of Tesla's favor is they have that kind of sales network but obviously yes they don't have the the dealership model yeah no you're right there uh, but i i would say that there's probably something to be to be said that we're sitting in a bubble of people who care about tesla oh, definitely. Um, and so it's definitely easy to see that but i think that the car market is just so massive that I wonder how much of an effect that has once these other, once these other um, car companies start coming out with with EVs. Especially, like we have to consider as well that Tesla is a luxury brand. If we were to go into some sort of a recession, there and people need to buy a new car, one people would buy less cars, which I don't think at this point is going to be too much of an issue for Tesla. But people will buy less cars, and if they are going to buy new cars they might look to look away from Tesla because their assumption is that Tesla is too much of a luxury brand to be buying right now. So they'll look to if, say, Ford comes out with a EV version of, like, a Fiesta, well, is that going to be a like enticing thing for someone in a, in a recession? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I 100% get that. Um, for now, I, it's... It's going to be difficult to sort of get the price of vehicles down given the battery packs are still quite expensive anyway. Yeah. Uh, Although uh, these big car companies can run a loss there. That's true. That's true. They do have that benefit um, being able to do like that. They, they'll be able to lean in and run a loss on certain vehicles if the economic conditions turned t- to require that because they want to keep their sales. And, I mean, they definitely will. Like it's, it's a brutal like business is brutal like you're not you're not just going to let your business sort of dwindle away and go quietly no um you got to do something like disney and sort of run that loss on that business and drive the other company into the ground yeah well that's what you would try to do anyway yeah well if you're not doing that you're not doing it correctly yeah so yeah no it's definitely a possibility um some numbers out from arc invest was that Tesla's market share, I think it's 17, I could be wrong on this, 17% of battery, was it battery electric vehicles? Only 17%? I don't... That seems like... I think... No, I don't... I'd have to review the number. Yeah. But anyway, the the point was that, the main point is that they saw Tesla keeping its market share, um, keeping its market share into the future and... That was their bull case for you know their their four thousand six thousand whatever price target. Yeah. Um, the other model that they had was they had it dropping to a third, which is I definitely am remembering it as eleven percent. I think I'm thinking it might include the plug-in hybrid market as well. That's probably yeah. If it's because that low. because I know yeah because I know the battery electric market share in the US is up around like sixty percent. 70 percent of tesla of battery electric vehicles for tesla okay so it's i'd have to review it again but yeah it just depends on 
obviously there's going to be a transition from electric to uh sorry from internal combustion engine to electric yeah and those 90 million cars are essentially in 40 50 years time all going to be electric yeah um how can tesla or what's tesla's market share going to be you know once we've had that transition i guess i'm sure they'll become barring anything really bad that happens mm-hmm. i think that there's a fairly good chance that they become a dominant player if they continue to compete and make the right moves because they have created the the category um i think that it's just it's a it's a slow climb there and they need to be not not making any moves that means they can't weather a downturn because if they're building all these factories and they're building these production lines like those those are expensive things i don't know how levered they are but they also need to be careful about that leverage and if things do turn around because all these big all these big companies have run into serious issues at some point and like big lawsuits that turn around like if there happens to be a run of bad battery packs or something and you have one of these recalls that could be devastating for tesla definitely Um, definitely but if that doesn't happen i think that they've got a good chance of being one of the dominant players. I think that mm-hmm. the claims that they will be 98% of the market or something like that is a little bit ridiculous. But they could certainly be up there on the same level as a VW or a Ford or a Toyota. Like we're in, like they're one of the sort of main car brands that people would buy. Um, but they've got to be they've got there's some luck involved there and some good management and like for for their sake i hope that tesla does have some people in there who are able to manage the company properly uh, because the auto market is sort of marked by these big disasters that happen and big lawsuits that happen that end up costing these automakers a lot of money and that could that could very easily bring a company down. Yeah, I just had a quick look then. Um, the numbers I'm seeing again are 17% of market share. So it must be plug-in hybrids um, then. I'm assuming, yeah, it's also including... They're being generous and in including the others as well. Um, yeah, because there's not that many EVs out there. So... I would I would expect if you're just looking at like pure EVs that they're probably like way up high, like eighty percent or eighty five percent. I'm I'm guessing at least. Um so impeachment has moved to the Senate finally. Did you did you yes. like watch any of the swearing in or No, I haven't seen any of that yet, no. So they I think it it's, went up um... on Thursday that mm-hmm. they that they've officially sent it. Uh, to the Senate and they've appointed the managers and the trial is going to start on Tuesday. Um, and so we're in for probably a couple of weeks of at least... What do you expect? Of always, what do you expect to come of it anyway? I think like th- there's almost no chance of him getting removed, right? I mean, yeah, they, they just not. have to turn far too many senators to actually get him removed. What I think is going to be the most interesting thing, though, is watching the effectively 
if new evidence is allowed, seeing what that evidence is. Um, now, I'm not obviously a lawyer or anything, so I can't really make a judgment on if what he's done is impeachable or not, but he's definitely not squeaky clean, uh, like he is uh, saying on Twitter, and like the Republicans want to <laughs> want to tell you. You don't believe his Twitter comments? <laughs> no, I mean, crazy enough, but <laughs> like... I, I tend to like I look at like probably five percent of them and I'm like ooh I don't know about that buddy <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> no but I think that it's definitely not squeaky clean like is it impeachable or not like I don't know it's probably worth like worth the debate like there's enough there that it's worth the debate and worth looking into but I don't know if it's impeachable or not I don't think he's going to get removed from office um but i think that the interesting thing will be now if evidence comes out what that evidence is and then what that does to the republican base in terms of the next election yeah that's true it's like are you being seen as doing something it was two things i'd look at is like if something pretty terrible comes out and you vote to keep him in well are you going to get your seat back yeah I think that's the big thing. And the other side of it as well, it's like, well, do we want to see some, uh, the, the, the sort of the, the Republican Party sort of coming together and all voting as one and you see them as more of a solid party and, and not sort of crumbling away sort of thing and sort of outing one of their own. So in order to sort of keep that loyalty and sort of keep that solidarity, they all vote together like we sort of saw in the in the in the house yeah and um that way they themselves had to have a better as a party have a better um opportunity to get re-elected again yeah but i i guess the problem would be that in the states that are close they could see if they do just egregiously post vote along party lines and not actually look at anything that's what i think's going to happen again it's certainly possible. Again, there are, it's like, I think, six or seven senators who have come out and said that they are, not that they're voting to remove him, but that, like, I'd have to go and find it again, but they were basically in play. Um, so basically, on 538, there is, uh, based on the polls that, um, have come out and it looks like there was a poll on uh, the, six, the 15th. So based on those polls, um, currently 84.1% of Democrats support removing him. 8.1% uh, of Republicans support removing him. 43% of independents do. And overall that comes to 46.7% uh, support removing him. Um, so even taking all of that into account is still not, not nearly enough. Um, obviously, different between the public and senators, but it's not nearly enough. Um, I don't think this damages his campaign all that much, like unless something really, really, really bad comes out, which I think at this point is fairly unlikely, although you never know, something, something could. But I don't think it's going to damage his campaign that badly. I think that the Democrats have really bungled the whole thing 
it's so clear they just want to remove him and they don't care if it's actually grounds for removing him or not. Um, and the right-wing media is just having a field day right now with it. I don't know if you saw Ben Shapiro's podcast on Friday or Thursday maybe, where basically like they're, they're having a field day with the fact that the Democrats are coming out and saying, you know, this is so like sad and solemn and we don't we really don't want to have to do this and it's like a really serious thing that's happening and so solemn and sad and the right-wing media are having an absolute field day with it because it's so clear that they're not actually sad like no not at like, all they're they're cheering as they as they go to vote yeah as we saw last yeah. time and there was a really really bad um uh video that came out where Kamala Harris was being interviewed by MSNBC and they kind of cut to her a second too early and she's sitting there like laughing it up, like having a a good chuckle and then she realizes she's like being, like they're coming to her and just instantly her face like goes all serious. Oh, that's that's so bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Um, And like it's just... I get they've got to put on this performance and I have to say, but it's also just, it's going over the top. And it's like, it's clearly not genuine. Like you're clearly not sad about this. You want him removed. Um, and so I think that's going to count against them when, when it comes to this next election. Um, interestingly, uh, there's now Bernie Sanders... Uh, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, I think them at least and whoever else is a senator now have to go and sit in the trial for like who knows how long and they're not actually allowed to speak during the trial. Um, And so they're going to be sitting there all day while the other candidates are able to go out and campaign, which is... Uh, very interesting. Um, so Joe Biden particularly is going to get to go out and campaign. And currently he is uh, polling in the lead in Iowa, which is taking place on the 3rd of Feb. So two weeks, basically. Um, and so even if this trial goes over like a week or a week and a half, there's not that much time for the other candidates to get out there and campaign. So they're not going to be seen in Iowa. Um, and that could give Biden sort of significant uh, momentum going into these first few primaries. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you see um, the Wall Street Journal, Michael Bloomberg's... Oh, yeah, I saw you posted this on spend. your... That's for... It's absolutely insane. Yeah. $216.8 million. Yeah. It's a third of all the others, I think, it was. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. I think he's contesting. The first place he's contesting is going to be on Super Tuesday. I don't know where on Super Tuesday. Um, let's see. What's he polling? Like, very small chance. I think he's got an average of 4.2% in California right now. Um in Texas, he's got very uh, 6.3%. Um, 
and this is of the uh, of the delegates, by the way, um, not like him winning. Him winning is very very low. So he he's basically at around like five or six percent in most of the of the states. Um, so I don't, I don't know what chances he has. Like I guess if he makes a really strong showing on Super Tuesday, then he could pick up some momentum. But like I don't think that there's a huge chance of him actually winning the the, uh, the nomination. I think at this point it, it's looking fairly strong in Biden's favor. Like I'd be willing to put my money on Biden winning. According to five thirty. Yeah, it'd be interesting to look. Uh, but according to 538's forecast, he's in. So they, what they do is they build a model and run the model over and over again, and in, and then they basically take the average of of all those different outcomes. And so the average of the outcomes for Biden is one thousand five hundred and fifty-two of the delegates. Um, and then second is Sanders at 1,073 delegates. Um, and so, like, he's basically got... They're giving him a two-in-five chance of winning more than half of the pledged delegates and then 47% chance of him winning a plurality of the delegates. So I think that just means the most delegates. Okay. Um, okay. So if he won more than half, basically he would get the nomination almost certainly depending on how high it is of course um and then a plurality there could still be a contested convention but again it depends how how sort of high but he would have the lead going into the convention now i'm I'm excited to watch watch this election go like so the primaries i'll be i'll be pumped and see see who gets it in the end um and then I think we'll we'll be a bit tired of it by the end of the year, but <laughs> I think yeah, where will be where will we be able to sort of watch it online? Sort of, will I? You mean stream it somewhere? You mean the primaries? Like the um, maybe not the primaries, but like when we get into all the debates and stuff like oh, that. It's, it's all over. Like I think like the, the channel seven and them pick up. Oh, okay. So they're going to do it as well. Yeah, they'll yeah. there'll be a big channel over here that you'll easily be able to get the the main debates and the presidential debates and they also just like go up on youtube like there'll be a youtube like for for sure so (laughs) i remember literally in 2016 i was in year 12 um and i would get home from from school and it would like just be sort of happening then because of the time zones yeah, yeah and so i'd literally get home and like get the popcorn out and like sit on the couch and watch the debate yeah uh, yeah well i didn't know i didn't know where it would be because last time i was over there and then before then i had no interest in it whatsoever so this is really the first year that i'm sort of you know going to be watching it from yeah watching it from yeah, australia no, it's, anyway, it's super so. easy to get um, yeah well that's good so yeah. that'll be fun um the current debates i think are a little bit useless to watch I, i've watched clips mm-hmm. from them but i haven't watched the whole things um, but it, yeah it's fun to watch the the actual presidential debates they're cool yeah i did watch a couple of debates um i don't know if you call them debates it's got like all the democrats yeah, yeah those are the debates but they're a bit like yeah they get five seconds to sort of address a topic they 
yeah, they're very scripted and I want them, I want them sort of more going at each other a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> like the, like the main debates yeah. later on. Have you ever watched, like gone back and watched the Romney-Obama debates? No, They're I quite haven't. good to watch. Like, sort of co- okay. contrast those to the Trump-Clinton ones. It's uh, very yep. interesting. I might actually go back and rewatch those. Yeah, it's worth it. Like Obama was just such a good speaker. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm wondering when he's going to release his memoir. He's had four years now. He needs to hurry up. Um, like, I'm very excited to read his memoir. I'm sure he's working on it. Um, he needs to hurry up with it. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to talk about today? No, that's that's it for this yeah. week, I think. I think. A shorter week this week. Um, yeah. Um, actually, I mean, we've been going for an hour and a half, so that's not too bad. 